0: This, uh, this is Joe Cole, this is Ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the London, the London, London
1: Is Blue, Blue Podcast. Podcast. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue Podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by my co-host Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, back with the Matt Law special. Mr. Matt Law is back from vacation right before he goes out for another one, which means we have a busy
0: <laughs> week of content to cover, Matt. Thanks for coming back. No worries. Like I said, I'm back for one week only, so... I've come back to a busy week, and then I disappear again for a little bit. So it's been fun. It's been a fun week so far.
2: It's been interesting because people, when you were on vacation, were asking us when you were coming back. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, that is the level of our friendship now. uh, It's transcended (laughs) just a podcast experience uh, that we kind of, you know, we now get the chance to announce Matt's back.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to show up. To your holiday and and be in the house right next to you so we can record this thing. So yeah, we're glad you're back for one week yeah. and one week only. And good, enjoy your good time next
0: vacation. Well, yeah, good timing. Good timing. It, it was it was
3: a quiet it's a
0: quiet last vacation because I always keep a little eye on what's still going on and not a lot happened, did it? To be fair, no. Nope. um i know and that's what's
1: funny is that like you didn't really like ease your way back into twitter it was like and boom (laughs) look at all these things that are happening yeah (laughs) just
0: yeah complete coincidence complete coincidence i i knew that i was going to have a busy i knew i was coming back for a busy week on harry kane i already knew that but the, the the way the chelsea thing is timed is honestly it's a complete coincidence it's not like i had this up my sleeve for a few days ready to go just I came back and made all the normal calls I'd make after a holiday on a Monday, and, and there it was.
1: Oh, I, look, Dan, do we just get right into the calls? Yeah, I, I think we do. I think we just jump right in. You have you have all of these nicknames for one striker that plays for Inter Milan right here, Dan. You've got Rom Back, Rom Returns, Lou Baku. No. Obviously, we don't know what witty no. hashtag the club are going to use for a potential announcement, you know, social media promotion um it does sound like chelsea have definitively i don't know matt turned their attention or just looking at another opportunity in lukaku is holland
0: first essentially of all dead in the water first of all i love lubaku do that do lubaku <laughs> oh. that's brilliant i love it dan that's Thanks, genius man. well done terrible <laughs> um Look, they've not. Um, we've 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 covered this so extensively, and I I feel guilty in a way because I always feel like I'm repeating myself to you guys a little bit, and that it'll be very boring for everyone just listening to me saying some of the same things. But it was always a juggling act between Lukaku and Haaland. For, for a while now, it's been a juggling act between Lukaku and Haaland and it was the one that was more likely to land. And look, I'm I'm not trying to say I necessarily knew all along it would definitely be Lukaku, but I think it's fair to say that in most of the talks we've had, I've I've kind of thought Lukaku was probably slightly more realistic because of Inter's financial difficulties, because Dortmund was selling Jadon Sancho, because Dortmund are normally quite good to their word when they say someone's not for sale. So that always felt slightly more likely, but I don't think it's a case of switching attention or... A choice and B choice, or first choice and second choice. I think there were two realistic world class options because I never thought Kane was a realistic option for Chelsea, um, and it was whether they could land one of them. And as as we talk on Thursday afternoon UK time, they are getting very close now to landing Lukaku, and I'm always reluctant to say this in a transfer window because I've been burned before, but. From what I'm told, the the Lukaku one is is over at the moment. This summer, they 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 got in the strongest possible terms back from Borussia Dortmund over the last couple of weeks that they're just not willing to sell. Um, they didn't receive any encouragement. That that message just didn't change. And and Chelsea have now made a judgment call on that because they can't just, you know, we've seen transfer windows in the past. The John Stones one comes to mind when. They spent a whole window trying to change Everton's mind on John Stones and, and sort of wasted the window on it. Um, and they can't afford to do that again. And, and they're not. They're, they're going hard on Lukaku. And they've, they've certainly sold it to Lukaku. And, you know, it, it looks like it's going to happen.
2: So, Matt, from your perspective, and obviously you called this back. Uh, we looked at the date, February 17th, 2021. <laughs> it was... Uttered into the universe that Lukaku should be an option for Chelsea by Matt Law on this podcast. And it comes to fruition or is very close to coming to fruition. Um, how had that mood shifted from Lukaku? Because obviously he came out very publicly before the Euros with a, I'm happy of Inter, I want to stay at Inter. But it seems very quick, you know, in a span of a couple weeks that the story changed. So how did that all come about from your understanding? Yeah, look. Look, I'm I'm I'm
0: I've sort of got a, a fairly good handle on things from, from Lukaku's side and look, Lukaku, it's true to say it's it's not it's not PR or a lie on his part to say that he was fully preparing to stay at Inter for this coming season. He was aware of interest from Chelsea, but he hadn't bargained on how strong in the last few weeks they were gonna come in for him, how strong Tuchel was gonna make a play for him. And they've really, really impressed him. I mean, look as 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 recently as almost two weeks ago, he came back from his break from following the euros, and he was totally committed. you know he he got back in on a Sunday evening at eight p m. He made a pit stop at his apartment in Milan and literally went straight to the training ground to speak to Inzaghi. not to leave, not to ask to leave. But to talk about the plans for the season, Inzaghi was involving him on what they wanted to do, who they wanted to sign, how they wanted to play. That was the level of his commitment. He's he's he was fully committed. You know, he wasn't trying to agitate for any kind of move. But the the sort of gusto Chelsea have shown at, at, at wanting to bring him back and being prepared now to sort of give up on Harland and and probably let's face it, if they sign Lukaku, I think that's Harland and and Chelsea. Dead in the water, you know. Even in terms of of next season or in the future, um, that that's that's changed his mind. He's had a lot of time to think about it. I think a few other issues have maybe come into play. i um, um, I think it's out there that he's been dating a girl from London, an English girl lately. Um, so you know, I'm you know, personal lives come into these matters. People people laugh about this kind of thing, but it's like anything, you know, if you you're going to change job and you get the opportunity to move closer to your wife or, or girlfriend. It comes into your thinking, you know, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, he's not being pressured. I think that's a big thing in, in the past without mentioning names. He's been pressured by his agent. He's felt talked into things. This is all very much his decision. He's liked the fact that his agent has almost sort of left him to it. He's, He's been very, very impressed with the way Tuchel's played it um, in terms of letting him know what his plans are selling the club to him, but also not putting him under immense pressure, I'm told. And it's just all worked out. And the last few days, it's really accelerated um, and really come along to the point where where yesterday Lukaku actually made it clear to Inter Milan that he would like to return to, to Chelsea. Before that, he was kind of staying quiet and and sort of hoping it would all all happen. But um, I think Inter wanted to hear it from him. I think Inter needed to hear fr- it from him as well. And and he's now, now told them that he wants to come back to Chelsea.
3: So is that, you know, for a guy like Lukaku, who isn't um, necessarily the most dramatic person in the world, um, just hearing that I want to leave and I want to go to Chelsea is... Enough of a incentive for Inter, given their financial status to kind of make that call. Is that kind of where we landed?
0: Yeah, it, it feels like that that's significant. it It feels like Inter now almost have the freedom to sort of negotiate the price with with Chelsea rather than just sort of quoting prices that they would like. I think now that the negotiation has has moved on to like how how do we do this now? how How is this going to happen rather than is this going to happen? And I think they, they just needed to hear that from Lukaku because I think they are in an awkward spot if they were almost sort of selling Lukaku without knowing that will from that side or without that will being public. Um, it, becomes a, it becomes a different thing for them. And, you know, look, I think there were some efforts a few weeks ago to maybe sell La Toro Martinez, which may have made it easier for them to, to tell Lukaku we're not selling you whatever. But the, the, the clubs that are interested in Martinez are not in a position to put the money down at the moment and and Inter still need money and the ownership are not in a position to to reject a, a really good bid. And Chelsea's sort of... I don't know where what, quite where this lies because I've heard different things on whether they've actually already made a firm offer, but clearly there have been discussions where Inter didn't want the deal with players involved. I think more players just than Alonso have been offered. I think Tammy Abraham's been offered... I think Emerson Palmieri's probably been offered. I I suspect there's been others offered that I don't know about. Um, But in those discussions, I think it's clear that Inter have just made it a bit clear that they're they're a little bit short in terms of their expectations. They like the Hakimi deal. They would prefer a cash-only deal because their interest is cash and paying off this debt they've got. Um, But they're not far apart now, and they're not so far apart that you would imagine that that Chelsea will refuse to get to a level that we'll, we'll see into a, sort of begrudgingly accept it.
2: Matt, you mentioned uh, Tuchel just a moment ago. And, and obviously last night he had the press conference post-match where he had a big old grin on his face, said he didn't want to talk about Lukaku, but also mentioned that he thinks everybody wants to play for him. And he thinks that players should want to come play for Chelsea. How important was he in this process of bringing Lukaku back to Chelsea, knowing how critical that relationship between Antonio Conte and Lukaku has been for him in the most recent part of his career? It's
0: really critical.
2: It's really, really critical.
0: Uh, all through Romelu's career, it's clear that if he plays for a coach who believes in him, he, he absolutely excels. You know, Roberto Martinez... Antonio Conte, Um, these are guys who really wanted him, really believed in him, were willing to not necessarily build a team around him, but build their sort of strike force around him and and really build their attacking play through his strengths. And he needed to know that this wasn't just the club who wanted him back, um, that this was the coach who really wants him and is prepared to sort of, like I say, build Chelsea's attack in play around Rom's strengths, which, which didn't happen for him at Manchester United, even though he actually had quite a good record at Manchester United, but it didn't happen for him at Manchester United. And Tuchel's made that clear to him. And like I say, if Romelu is confident that he has got the confidence of the manager, not just the club, then that is absolutely key for him. And and let's face it, Tuchel, Tuchel's style is not dissimilar. I know he's not as combustible as, as Antonio Conte or certainly not yet, but his style is not dissimilar from Antonio Conte and the style of play has not been dissimilar from Antonio Conte. So there's a lot there for, for Rom to look at and think, do you know what, that I I, I kind of already fit into this, you know, th- this is already built around me slightly. So obviously if a Lukaku
1: comes in, even a Holland, we've been talking about team Abraham all summer as well. Uh, I'm assuming, well, how about this? There's been a lot more rumors about Tammy leaving. We're assuming Armando Broja would go on loan. Doesn't really seem like he's ready to kind of be in the mix of that situation. So with, I don't know, it's probably not direct, but I'm sure Tammy is watching this situation pretty closely as well to figure out what's best for his future.
0: Well, there's an interesting circle at the moment because um, Inter Milan have lined up Duvan Zapata as Lukaku's replacement. He's from Atalanta, and Atalanta have subsequently lined up Tammy Abraham as their preferred um, successor to Duvan Zapata. Now, all of that would Chelsea, would suit Chelsea perfectly, because everybody's got their replacements lined up. It makes a deal much easier to do. Clearly, if Inter can be confident that they can get Zapata out of Atlanta, with Atlanta, you know, highlighting who they want. It just makes that whole circle a lot easier. I've had this described to me before by people in Chelsea that Chelsea quite often will not just um, look at the deal that they're doing, but will look at the circle and whether the circle can be completed because that is often key to whether the top end of the transfer can be completed. However, I'm also told that Tammy Abraham will not be pushed and will not be rushed into jumping it into Atlanta to do Chelsea a favour necessarily. Not to say he won't go there, but he's not gonna simply go there because it's convenient for Chelsea, and it would be convenient for Chelsea. Let's let's be clear about that. So I think there's a bit of time left to run on Tammy. I'd be I'd be quite surprised from what I hear over the last twenty-four hours if if anything is imminent on him, whether he's gonna jump into anything fast, I would be surprised because there's a striker merry go-round developing here, you know, Danny Ings has already left Southampton. That's actually cut off one avenue that that was potentially open to Tammy and Aston Villa. Obviously now Southampton are looking for a striker. Lukaku's move will set off a chain of events in Europe that Tammy will be interested in, which could yet bring up more opportunity with England as well. So there's a merry-go-round developing here, and Tammy would be silly to jump anywhere at the start of that merry gray round because more options will become available both in england and in
3: europe i'd imagine but atlanta's interest
0: is is certainly
3: true are there other options for tammy right now or is it kind of cooled down a little bit just say it, arsenal damn it
0: arsenal arsenal won him arsenal won him i think arsenal would be attractive to him he was a boyhood arsenal fan it's a london club it's whatever you what you know we laugh at arsenal now because they don't challenge for for trophies, but it's a big club still, let's face it. Um, and it would present a very good opportunity for him. Arsenal's problem is they need to sell players. They've just spent 50 million on Ben White. They'd like to say, sign James Madison. In order to actually buy Tammy, they've got to sell, raise quite a lot of money. So that if he if he's to join Arsenal, he might have to wait quite a while. Um Southampton are certainly interested in them. I'd be surprised if Tammy were, were were really that sort of impressed with jumping to Southampton. They look like a club who are going to struggle to me. And I'm I'm told there's quite a lot of options
2: abroad, but I just don't know them all at the moment. So what does it look like? I think maybe the last knock-on internally at Chelsea is uh, Armando Broja, who had a good preseason game, came in, looked lively. People started talking, but... Maybe now with Rom coming back means that a loan is more likely for him. What are you sensing in terms of interest for for taking him and continuing to level him up in terms of his playing experience?
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine he will go on loan. I, I kind of always thought he would end up going on loan, to be honest with you. I think we discussed him once before. Um, I'm told Andalect have a long-standing interest in him. Um, whether... The sort of Belgian league is quite where Chelsea want to send him. Not sure um, because clearly they'll they want a league where not only he can play a lot, but also that challenges him. That's no disrespect to the Belgian league, but he could go to Andelek. I know that they they are very keen on him, um, and there are there are definitely other clubs. But yeah, he he will go out on loan now, and that that seems by far the best option all around because I just. I've got to be honest, and this is no dis- disrespect to the lad. I just don't see him getting close to getting minutes at Chelsea, even in the even in the cups. Quite frankly, uh, very well, fair.
1: I mean, I would assume that
0: a couple people
1: might have to come in to, to round out the strike force. Usually, you have three. So obviously, if you bring in a Lukaku, you have Tammy. You have some flexibility with Timo, Kai, maybe even a Pulisic playing as a second. But if Tammy goes in, potentially you have to bring in another. So it sounds like this isn't I quite
0: s- done. Yeah, <laughs> look, I, look, I, I don't, I haven't chased that too hard, but I, I get the sense that Lukaku, Havertz, Werner, with Pulisic as a potential as a false nine is is probably what Chelsea are thinking at the moment in terms of their striking options. I, I haven't heard of. Let's put it this way: I haven't heard of. Any sort of um, third choice, as it were, striker coming in. I'd I'd be surprised at that at the moment, but I haven't chased it. I haven't chased it, so so maybe. But yeah. I, I think they're looking at. I think the the fact is is that I'm told, if they don't land Lukaku, it's more likely that they'd start the season with Havertz as their number nine than than signing a sort of alternative, as it were. Um, and if they do get Lukaku, I think that just. Means that Lukaku, Havertz, Werner, and and as you say, Pulisic as a potential option, gives them probably gives them enough enough options and strikers. You know, Touchwood that that nobody picks up any serious injuries. And my
1: last question is: Do you get the sense that they're still looking at the three four three formation?
0: It would seem so. It would seem so from what he's done in preseason. I don't think he's even yeah. within a game deviated from that. That has surprised me a little bit, actually. Um, the back end of last season, again, I think we discussed it on here. I, I was hearing that he'd like to potentially be a bit more flexible this season. But whether, whether with the striker and he could do that a little bit more, because obviously, you know, you you could go to a three-five-two if you want with with a with a Lukaku. I think with someone who can play with their back to goal a bit more and hold the ball up, you could all, you could deviate from three-four-three to three-five-two quite easily, I'd imagine. Whether it allows him to play the four at the back, not sure. Not sure on that. I, it, it feels like maybe they're, they're they're thinking more in line with sticking with the three at the back at the moment.
1: All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, thanks to sponsors for financially supporting the show. But trust me, we, we come back, we still have a lot more. Jules Koundé, the center back situation, and then obviously shopping and selling that still will be done. All right. We'll be right back. All right. Deep breath. Striker Palooza is in the past. Dan, we can finally move <laughs> forward. Uh, technically, actually, we move backwards on the pitch if we want to speak tactically.
2: Well, even rewinding where we were in the Matlaw summer transfer break, you know, this is the Jules Koundé news that came out as you were away on a little bit of holiday. Chelsea ship off these two talented young center backs in the earlier parts of the window, obviously Tomori to AC Milan, Mark Gerhi to Crystal Palace. Potentially now looking to sell Zuma to fund Jules Koundé to come in. And so I guess, Matt, from your perspective, kind of as you've caught up after your holiday, what does it look like in terms of how Koundé came to the top of the list? How did this become a priority signing for Chelsea this window and yeah, just we'd love to kind of gain some more perspective.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, I'm, I'm told, I've done a bit of catch-up on Koundé. I'm told that, I, I, I don't get me wrong, I wasn't aware of this before I've caught up on it. Um, Koundé's been on the radar for a while, actually. The, the scouts put him forward even last summer. Um, they've been watching him for a long time, considering a move for quite some time. So it's not one that's come from nowhere. It's one that the club seem to be aware of, irrespective of, of Thomas Tuchel's plans as well, because... As I say, he was certainly put forward as a possibility last summer. Um, I think it's interesting because obviously they were involved in Hakimi um, and sort of backed away from Hakimi in the end, who's obviously a right wing back. They they seem to have gone cold on Adama Traore, um, who they were certainly interested in at the at the start of the summer and the back end of last season. But Koundé is an interesting one because he's a right-sided centre-back. He can play right full-back. Um, and it feels like maybe they've looked at him as a solution almost because it's been clear that that Tuchel has had a slight issue with wanting to bring some sort of right-sided player in to give him either more options on the right or to start to prepare for maybe the fact that Aspie will very slowly start to get phased out as his as his you know age increases like all our age increases. Um, so it feels to me a bit like that Koundé's almost been been sort of bumped up the list because he can he can actually solve that right sided problem a little bit. You don't you you wouldn't need to necessarily play Reese James as a right sided uh, back three centre back against pace because you would imagine Jules Koundé would, would fill that, that area and have the pace to sort of make up for whether, you know, when they're playing a Leicester and you're going up against a Vardy or someone like that, when when it felt like Ducal didn't want to expose Laquetta to that in the back three. Um, so it feels like a solution to a few problems, actually, but the, the interesting thing is it, it's become clear and certainly I've been told this, is that um, they feel like they, they only really want to do Kundé if they they're sure they're going to sell one. And obviously, at the moment, that one seems most likely to be Kurt Zuma. Although I'm told it's not necessarily has to be Kurt Zuma. Um, I, th- I think they would listen to offers on others, but I think Kurt Zuma is the, the most likely out of those. And until they don't necessarily have to sell him before they make the, the firm offer on Kunde, but I think they have to be sure that there's a deal that he will accept before they're not just, just going to add Kunde. Their squad's massive. And they've got a, a lot of centre backs at that squad already, so it, it, it's it's sensible, isn't it? You know, not to just bring in another one um, before you're sure that you can get one out the door. And they've had problems getting rid of players at the moment, as all clubs have. Um, so that is a consideration.
3: So no, no landing spot for for Zuma yet. Uh, one of the other things that we've noticed to this point is that there hasn't been. A whole lot of noise around christensen and rudiger's new contracts is there any worry from chelsea that that these contracts might not get done and thus they should be looking at maybe adding someone immediately
0: look i'm sure that's in mind I, i i still think christensen's will get done um i've been pretty busy on lukaku and stuff so i haven't been making too many calls on that in the last few days i've got to be honest um But from from my information before I went on holiday and I haven't really checked since I came back, um, I've always thought that Christensen's will get done. That seems to be his desire. It seems to be the club's desire. Um, Rüdiger's look, I think I said on another show that there doesn't seem to be a lot of rush from either side on Rüdiger's deal, which in some respects is surprising because he's done very, very well under Thomas Tuchel. I think he took the captain's armband the other day, didn't he? Um, in one of the pre-season friendlies, was it against Arsenal? I can't remember whether he was captain last night against Tottenham. You guys might know off the top of your heads. Came what you last night, yeah. Okay, so, but you know that is a little bit of a surprise. But th- that's always looked like it was going to be a slow burner for whatever reason. There's not been a mad rush from Chelsea or Ridiger to to extend that deal yet. Um, but I do think Christensen's will get extended. And then Aspie's. I would imagine there's a fair chance Aspie's will go quite late into the season, and they'll they'll extend again. I think we've spoken before that Aspie's probably at the stage where Aspie gets to decide his future these days.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a weird situation to next point where if we looked at our defense, obviously Thiago Silva, you knew it was a one year extension, but like Aspie, Rudiger, Zuma, Christensen, like everyone's deals were coming to an end right at the same time, and normally. We always felt like Chelsea were good about that. They were on top about that. You know, 24 months out, there was, you know, uh, decisions being made. So I think that just kind of surprised me, too, that we ended up in this situation.
0: I'm surprised by that. I was surprised by that even last season with them all with two years left. Like like you say, Chelsea are, are very, very good at sort of uh, spotting these situations early and dealing with them. And I I was surprised that a whole group of players in one position we're sort of in that that same position, and look, in a way, winning the Champions League makes it easier to keep players. But obviously, when players become Champions League winners, their demands probably go up a little bit. Let's let's face it. So again, that that will come into negotiations. Dan, you want to talk about one of your preseason
1: MVPs?
2: Well, actually, before that, I just want to say with Zuma, you know, because obviously he's the one that's mo- Chelsea's most likely to sell, uh, from your perspective. Obviously, he was potentially going to be considered in the swap deal. There's been rumors about West Ham connections and that maybe being something that could or could happen. Like, what's your feeling in terms of where Kurt would or wouldn't want to go? Because obviously players have a option or a decision within this process too. Look, I mean, as
0: as I said, Chelsea are struggling to sell players, and everybody's struggling to sell players because the European market particularly that a lot of these clubs have relied on is is very very stagnant and and not many have got any money. So Kurt has has clearly been offered to Sevilla, but I'd imagine lots of other players that Chelsea would like to sell have been offered to Sevilla. I'd imagine there's a list, and I'd imagine they're getting offered to Inter Milan, and I've imagined they've been offered to Borussia Dortmund, and this list will be going into all the clubs where Chelsea have an interest in players because that that's normal. Um... Kurt, I think, by the sounds of it, would prefer to stay in the Premier League. Also, players don't like, players actually don't like being offered in deals. They they like to determine their own futures. They don't really like to feel that they're being pushed in another direction. Their agents don't really like it either. Um, and he's, he's turned down West Ham in the last few days, for sure. Um, he's turned down an offer from West Ham, and West Ham have now, I think, are quite close to getting somebody else from overseas, so... It feels like the West Ham one's gone. That surprised me a little bit because I thought West Ham looked quite a good destination for Kurt. You know, they're in Europe. It's a London club. I I thought that that, that would be quite attractive to him. Whether the package wasn't very good, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it, it seems he, he preferred to stay in the Premier League. But it's quite hard at West Ham to think of a club that would be both attractive to him and be able to afford him in the premier league at the moment.
2: All right. Yeah, let's do that. We'll do that. So Trev Chalava is probably the last one in the center back defensive conversation that we would want to talk about, but just he's racked up a lot of preseason minutes. He's getting comments in the post season, post uh, match press conference uh, about him from Tuchel. Do you think he's, Stan, do you think he's kind of, at this point, a lock to, to stay?
0: I still think he'll probably go out on loan. Um, there's, there's too many players, and they've only just got their international players back. They're, well, I say their international players. They're, they've got a lot of their international players back already, but they've got their England players back. And they've only really just got their full squad back. And you just have to go through the numbers of that squad to, to realize that Trevor Chalabar is going to be a long way off still. I am told that he has impressed. He's, he's probably the sort of unknown quantity almost, not the unknown quantity because Chelsea fans know about him a lot, but maybe the surprise package of the pre-season at the moment um, in that he seems to have really grasped an opportunity in training and that will have done him good. But I just can't see how he gets near. When, when you have everyone back, I can't see how he gets near it because when you you have that first team squad, it's massive as it is. It's absolutely huge and... Um, he'll be a long way down that, even if he's doing well. So it's clear that Tuchel quite likes him. It's clear he's had a very good preseason. I would imagine it will end, though, with him going out on loan, even if it's quite late in the window, because Chelsea want to keep him around for a bit.
1: Fair. All right. Well, let's go ahead and just turn all the attentions uh, to the shopping and selling remaining. Look, we talked about it yesterday, Matt. I think, what did the script say, Dan? 42 players on the roster right now? 42. Forty-two. I mean, my, my word, and uh, it obviously <laughs> doesn't look like Chelsea are going to complete a volume of signings like last summer. Which is okay. You know, we're we're being a lot more specific with what we're going at. But will the cl- club still try to make one or two more signings? It sounds like we've we did hear a lot of rumors about midfielders, but it seems like that's gone
0: quiet too. Yeah. Look, I think anything else now is probably um, dependent on sales. And that's not from a transfer funds point of view. That's just from a a squad balance and a sense point of view. You can't have a squad. You know, it's ridiculous in the first place that you're talking about 42 players. That is crazy. Um, And, you know, in that you've got like Baba Ramans, you've got Danny Drinkwaters. It's crazy. So they have to address that. And they can't just keep adding to that and adding to that. It would be absolutely insane. So just from a squad balance point of view, I don't see the midfield now, it it feels like that's been parked. um, And I think they'd have to make some big sales pretty quickly for that to become a live issue anytime soon. But, you know, you never say never. If they can shift out the right players, then I, I, I hear that Tuchel still would like another midfielder. I think he might have even referenced something to do with the midfield in talking about the fact that Billy Gilmore had gone out. Because if you look at it, actually if you if you assume that the Danny Drinkwaters and the Ross Barkleys and all these people will eventually leave, whether it be permanently or on loan, then they'll actually be a midfielder short on last season. So I think Tuca would still like a midfielder, but I do think it's massively dependent on on what happens in terms of outgoings because they can't just keep adding. It, it would be madness. And, and the wage bill with all those players still at the club is just insane at the moment. They have to be sure that the wage bill is going to come down, even if it's in terms of players going out on loan and other clubs contributing to the wages. So, while they, now they've gone in hard on Lukaku and about to do Lukaku, I think it feels like the midfield is parked for now. And, and in terms of Declan Rice, Declan Rice has returned to West Ham training. Declan Rice is currently preparing for the fact that he'll be a West Ham player next season. He's not kicking off or, or trying to force anything. Um, that's not to say I'm- nothing... There's absolutely no chance of anything happening. He's not going to sign a new contract at, at West Ham. But I know from Declan Rice's point of view, I think he he's probably in the headspace at the moment where he thinks something, whether it be with Chelsea or another club, is probably starting to look more likely for next summer than this summer. And and that's
3: my view at the moment as well. Uh, do, you, do you get the sense, Matt, um, as far as like Chelsea trying to move on players that we know won't be a part of the squad, right? And you're drink waters or, or whoever bakioko yeah are, are, are they looking to just kind of cut bait necessarily or is this something where marina is still trying to win every single one of these deals and get something back <laughs> they, like at some point there's just such a large volume of them that you would assume they would have to ha- like happen the next week or so for there to be any balance through the remainder of august
0: yeah, I, Marina doesn't mind pushing these things late. I don't think she'll think it has to happen in the next week or so. And to be honest, with the way the transfer market's looking, they might have to wait till the final week when there's a bit of a flurry and when there's a bit of a, more of a panic from clubs. Um, look, my, only from covering the club, um, I, I'm always reluctant to sort of make out like I know exactly what Marina Granovskaya wants to do or whatever, because that, that would be that would be misrepresenting the truth. Um, but just from covering Marina Granovskaya and Chelsea for so long, I get the impression she wants to win every single deal. Um, and she does win most of them. So at the start of August, I can't believe for any minute that she's looking to sort of accept a loss on anything just to, to sort something out quickly. If she thinks she can... Still gain on something by pushing it later. I think they'll push it later. Um, so I, I don't see. I mean, for instance, Danny Drinkwater's got a year left on his contract, and some people would be saying, just pay him off. Well, Chelsea aren't going to pay him off this early. While they, they might think a late option could come up from him. From Danny Drinkwater's point of view, I don't think he would accept a pay off either because he's never going to get the wages he's on again, again, ever again. And Chelsea's payoff wouldn't reflect what he could earn over the course of the year by remaining as a Chelsea player, even if he goes goes out on loans. So there's a lot of tough negotiations on that. This is I would suspect in terms of outgoings, this will be the toughest summer Chelsea've ever experienced.
3: And so that's no partly also is. due
0: to, just just to just to add on that as well. that's also due to partly in fact that and this isn't Chelsea's fault, that a lot of the loans, didn't go awfully well for these players last season. You know, Ross Barkley started out really well, and that turned to absolute rubbish by the end of it. Danny, Danny Drinkwater hasn't Did. done anything now for a couple of years on loan. Bakayoko's Yoko's loan was so-so, not enough to really spark anything. No one's really ripped up the, you know, ripped anything up on loan, which again has, has made it more difficult for Chelsea. Batshuayi. Yeah. spent the season on the bench at Crystal Palace, didn't he? You know, yep, I sometimes forget about Vachwai. Again, the the options for him. And that that's not Chelsea's fault. You know, the, some of these players didn't grasp their opportunities and that, that's on them, not on Chelsea.
1: Yeah, I, It's a bit of a gamble, though, on the club, right? Like having those players in the lone army and, you know, trying to put those players out for so long so that they can potentially flip for a profit. And I think most people would understand that
0: you're not always going to win.
1: On, on every no, but one. but
0: some people forget that that flipping for a profit isn't a profit on the original transfer fee. It's a profit on the amortisation value, right? Which right. that's value. quite a complicated thing to explain in in one or two minutes. But they each player has a value on the books that with every year of their contract goes down. Yep. So that the profit in terms of the FFP and the accounts is actually only on the value of the amortisation rather than flipping for the profit of what they signed the player for correct yeah so
1: you could sell like a batch for 10 million at some point and you're actually still making three four yeah. million off of it yeah absolutely yeah. all right do, I, I what did we miss matt anything else or are you already packing for the next holiday <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. i'm certainly on countdown for my next holiday yeah <laughs> um and then looking forward to seeing what I come back to because I come back for this. I come back in time for the Arsenal game. I missed the first game of the season. I missed the Super Cup. I'm going to have Chelsea fans on Twitter calling me unprofessional now. But literally, no, otherwise, no. I don't get to have a holiday. So um, no, I don't. I don't think you have missed anything. I don't think you missed anything. I think that's it. I think. I think we probably know who the striker is going to be now, which is a relief to everybody. Um, I think we know what else they want to do in terms of Kounde if they can get rid of a, a defender. Whether that's a Zuma or whether it even ends up being a Kennedy or someone, and they do it that way, and then and then from there on, it's sell, 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 or loan, 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 and maybe see where they are in the last week of the window in terms of outgoings as to whether they then look at the midfield. I think Tuchel would like to, but I think it's going to depend massively on on how well or how successfully they've sold or loaned out. Tino Andrin I think is an interesting one actually for the season because with Gilmore out on loan, if they aren't in a situation where they're going to sign a midfielder, Andrin could be an interesting squad squad person for next season because I think he could get more opportunity because I, I would imagine he would then have to take up that almost Gilmore spot in the squad as it were and be the sort of cup midfielder and the yeah. fourth to fifth choice midfielder. He... He could have an interesting season, Andrew, and actually.
1: Hmm. Well, I think that would uh, make a lot of Chelsea fans happy for sure. Uh, Seen some promise out of him recently in the Premier uh, in the, in the preseason friendlies. So, um, And anyway, we just want to end real quick. I guess, Dan, I'll kick it to you since, you know, Michael Ballack essentially brought you to the club. But tragic, tragic news this morning.
2: Yeah. You know, not the uh, news you want to read when you're kind of waking up to prepare a podcast and talk about the exciting things going on at Chelsea. Um, But, you know, I think just our thoughts and and prayers and good wishes are with Balak and his family after um, his uh, son passed away in uh, an accident. So uh, just very unfortunate, very uh, sad to have it happen. And, uh, you know, we just wish him and his family all the best if in a, what's going to be a, imagine a remarkably tough time 18 years old heartbreaking man heartbreaking yeah shocking shocking news that
0: was shocking news and he's um he's always stayed very closely to to Chelsea like mm-hmm. he, he goes back a lot he's he's sort of very involved in and around the club still with one of the ex players so that that will that will, apart from obviously being a massive tragedy for his family, that will hit Chelsea hard as well, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah. So I definitely wanted to pay respects to Balak and his family and, and, and make sure you're all aware about that so you can hopefully send him messages and support and everything like that. But, hey, that's going to wrap us up. As always, uh, thanks to Matt. Go check out his newsletter, Articles. You know where to find him. We retweet as much as we can. Uh, he's staying busy in his limited amount of time. We appreciate you uh, hanging out with us today, Matt.
0: No worries. No worries. I'm not too busy for too long, hopefully. So. <laughs> And I'm going we, to keep reiterating that this holiday is coming and I'm not going to not take it as you have earned.
1: But hey, The <laughs> season is here soon. Very, very soon. So uh, we're uh, excited for that. Don't. All right. Well, anyways, that's going to wrap us up Chelsea fans. So, you know, make sure to go check it out. Go tweet Matt. Thank give him Thanks. Um, but that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.